Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mikey Aaronworth, signing on to the Sign Off of Frameworth podcast for yet another week. It's the forum for all the stories you didn't know you wished you knew about the world of sports and sports marketing. Uh, I'm joined in studio for the first time. We've kind of revamped things a little bit. We're actually side by side today, Dad. Look at this. That's so I don't have to look at you. I was going to say, you are trying hard not to make eye contact with me. No, and I'm looking I, at the screen. I got to say, our guest this week is going to be uh, upset that you're not really getting into the spirit of father-son relationship <laughs> because uh, there's, a, there's a theme going in there and we'll introduce that guest in just a little bit. But before we do, Obviously, a shout out to all of our loyal listeners who have shown us so much support on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Uh, if you leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, we may pick your review and give you a little bit of a giveaway. As we're going to do this week, uh, we have a shout out to uh, Percat. P-E-R-C-A-T-T via Apple Podcasts, a five-star review titled Add to Your Podcast Regime. We agree with that. This is a must-listen uh, podcast for sports fans, especially the hockey aficionado. Frameworks clientele provides great insights to the world of sports collecting and marketing. This is a must-add to your podcast lineup. Well, Percat, thank you so much for the review. And once again, if you're out there and you want to put yourself up to potentially receive some free uh, sports memorabilia, make sure you do the same. We may pick you at random. We're going to give you, look, in the spirit of today's episode, I think we have kind of yeah, a special product that we can give away. We're going to be giving away a signed Danbury Trashers 8x10 photo for one of the players. So reach out to us per cat sign off pod at frameworth.com with your shipping information. You got 30 days from the drop of this episode to do so. And why Danbury Trashers? Well, we're about to find out, okay? Uh, I typically spend so much time crafting up the perfect introduction for our guest each week on the podcast, but this week it feels like no introduction is necessary. We're closing in on the NHL playoffs and yet still The biggest story in hockey surrounds a team from Connecticut nearly 20 years ago and the kid who was tasked with running it. Against all odds, he crafted one of the most notorious teams in hockey history, and you can learn all about it in the Netflix documentary, Untold Crime and Penalties. Today's guest is the bad boy of hockey, AJ Galante. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, that's an introduction. I I need you to... (laughs) I need you to come with me everywhere and, and roll me out just like that. that was perfect. I'll be a hype man. I'll be your hype man. I also like the fact that I said it needs no introduction and then went on to spend a paragraph introducing you, but uh, a little bit of pop and circumstance great. as you understand yourself. Uh, now, AJ, for the listener who isn't aware, which, you know what? I'm actually kind of jealous of them because that means they get to watch this documentary, Untold Crime and Penalties, for the first time. Take, the, take, take two, three minutes to describe who you are and what your relationship is to the Danbury Trashers. Well, my name, you know, I'm AJ Galanti and, uh, you know, born and raised here in Danbury, Connecticut, about an hour north of uh, New York City. And, um, you know, really, really, uh, if you watch the documentary, I I just was a little knock around kid and uh, played a little bit of hockey growing up, you know, not not at super high levels. But um, unfortunately, my my playing career in high school, you know, fell short when uh, I had a pretty bad knee injury. And um, my father just randomly decided to start a United Hockey League um, franchise here in Danbury. Uh, we're, we weren't, our, our, our city at the time wasn't really known for hockey, but he sure. decided to just stick a team here. And um, he made me the uh, president of the team at uh, 17 years old. So it was, um, as crazy as that sounds, it's true. I still get people who think this isn't a true story, but I don't know how to convince some people, but it is a true story. And um, really, we we had a, two crazy seasons. Uh, it was unfortunately short lived, but, um, it's probably for the best. It was only two seasons. The way things, <laughs> the way things were trending, 
uh, always trying to outdo ourselves with some of our uh, hijinks there. So, um, no, I mean, that, that, that was really it. So perfect. You no, know, just a teenage president, you know, that, that, teenage that's president. Really yeah. As you, you say that as though it's common. You say you're like teenage president, you know, the old story, like, no, no <laughs> one knows the story. And that's why uh, it, it's so impressive to hear here. Now, uh, basically the premise of the team is, is you used kind of your, your love of all things uh, rambunctious, a little bit of uh, professional wrestling, a little bit of kind of that, that bad boy mentality. And you brought a bunch of goons uh, uh, to the team in the best way possible, but well, we'll it, call it, them enforcers. Okay. I, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I think goon is a is a term that they use with love in in yeah, hockey now, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, you got the you got the movie Goon, which was uh, a Canadian hockey movie as well, kind of a similar style. But one of the things I loved about this was was your decision. Like this was kind of the working man's version of Moneyball. I had that vibe watching this, where yeah, you're going yeah. out there. You're finding this balance between grit, but also scoring abilities, uh, you know, having the foresight, which, you know, we're moving ahead a little bit, but but to during the NHL lockout, sign a guy like Mike Rupp. It's like, yeah, sure, he he can he can drop the mitts. He's a big boy, but he can also score uh, those mitts work uh, work both ways. That sort of mentality leading into the season and then that marketing ability. Where did this come from? Is this just something you were thrown to the wolves and decided that you had to figure out a way to make an ideal team or you know, playing video games, was it like franchise mode that would get you like, what, what was this that gave you the experience? Well, franchise mode, you know, EA sports was basically my only on the job training really was there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, I guess it was just kind of, you get tossed into the deep end sometimes and you know, you, you could either sink or swim. And uh, you know, again, we had a great team around myself. It, It wasn't just me, obviously. So we, we, um, Listen, I think a lot of stars align for us. I tell people all the time, um, you know, it, it's one thing to be good and sometimes it's it's good to be lucky. And mm-hmm. I think we had a little bit of luck go our way in certain circumstances, like the NHL lockout, our first season. Sure. Um, like I said, our proximity to New York City, you know, Ranger fans, Islander fans, Devil fans, even Bruin fans up in Boston, you know, they were looking for their hockey fix. So, you know, we kind of were the new kid on the block and, um, you know, I, I think anytime you're a new kid on the block, there's there's a uh, there's a natural interest just to check it out. Anyway, you usually get at least one chance, and sure. we kind of figured, hey, listen, you know, like I said, we are in a big hockey town here. How do we keep people coming back? And um, again, you know, blue collar city, and um, you know, like you said, you know, growing up, I was a huge wrestling fan. Um, I was one of those kids that always rooted for the bad guy, usually yeah. just to make my friends angry because they were always sure. rooting for the good guys. So I always wanted to stick out and be different. And uh, I don't know, man, as I got older, I used to go to a lot of wrestling events growing up. And um, there was just always like a presence when the bad guy came out. You know, you you felt him there. And he was like he was like usually the character people love to hate, but you yeah. wanted to see him. And listen, we kind of figured out to make a bad guy wrestler out of a hockey team in a weird way. And uh, even, you know, even hockey, you know, um, you guys know how it is. You got those guys that you hate if they're yep. not on your team, but of course. when they get on your team, you'll buy all their jerseys because you love them. Brad Barshaw. Mm-hmm. Brad Barshaw would be a good one. <laughs> Perfect. You, exactly. you hate him, but you'd want him on your team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's the guy that, uh, and you know, when I used to go to games when I was younger, I mean, um, yeah, I, I was a devil fan. That That was my team growing up. And, um, you know, when like Ty Domi used to come into town, oh, yeah. I, mean, I used to love Ty because, you know, he, I, he just had that melon head and you just hate, you just hate it. <laughs> you, just, you, you hated him so much, but he made an impact, you know, whether he scored or not, you know, you know, l- like, um, your father said, these guys, they, um, 
however you want to call them, enforcers, goons, they, but they had a presence. They were like, um, mm-hmm. as soon as their shift came on, you you kind of, it felt different when they were on yeah. the ice. And um, AJ, here's the thing. First of all, you're way too humble because somebody had to have that concept to put that together and recognize what would work and what wouldn't. And you, you said you didn't have hockey in Danbury at the time. It wasn't much of a hockey town. And somehow you had to get the the presence. Now, everybody can try and pretend that fighting isn't an exciting thing in the game, but the players love it. The fans certainly love it, and they're trying to get it out, but it's part of the game, and it is, as you say, something that people are drawn to. You managed to put together a team that immediately started drawing big fans, filling the stadium. It was... I mean, you got to see the documentary for those that haven't yeah. seen it because I missed it when it came out. And then, uh, as I said before, Brent Gretzky called me, and we can get into that, and asked me about some things. And I said, and he told me about the documentary, and I must have missed it, binging on Yellowstone or something. <laughs> anyway, Yellowstone's good, yeah. Yeah, well, why? Because it's similar in nature. It's a tough guy. There's bad guys in it, et cetera. So. You recognized what would work in your environment and your town probably work everywhere. I mean, you can't just build a whole league around fighting, but uh, there's something to it. You built that team and it became a blockbuster uh, filling the stands. That's you and your father doing that and and your, you know, train your people around you as well. But that was your concept. Can't forget T-Bone. Come on. Are you T-bone. kidding me? Take the credit oh, for it. Surprise star of the documentary. Are you kidding me? Tell me there's a person on this planet that smokes a cigar better than T-Bone. Are you like, <laughs> he punctuates his sentences with them. They're amazing. Yeah, uh, that, before- that's a that's definitely a good way to put it for sure. He he's he's um and that wasn't just for TV. I mean, that's him, you know. I mean, I that's tell amazing. people I tell people all the time, I think I think why the doc was pretty successful was um that was us, you know, everyone, I mean, no one was putting on a show for the cameras. I mean, um, everyone in that doc was just being themselves. And I think right. that's what made it. I think people recognize, okay, these are authentic people. Cause sometimes you watch TV and you're like, all right, they're putting on a show, but yeah, that was, that was us. And, uh, you know what, it, it, it makes sense because uh, and I think this is just, it's what emotion is wrapped up in. Like there, you have these enforcers, goons and this and that. And they, they, uh, many of them probably come from a background where they're getting in trouble in this and, and whatnot. I think that people who are like that have just unbridled emotion that they don't know what to do with. And, yes. and when it comes out, it comes out in many ways. And you know, people are being authentic because how many people in this documentary, quote unquote, tough guys end up crying in front of the camera in yeah. public, not to, not to shame them for doing it, but it's like, you know, they're real yeah. and authentic because they care. And it no. seems like that's at the heart of what you guys did. No, it was just, you know, like, you know, it was just a very passionate group of people, you know, and and again, going back to luck, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, you know, you guys have a huge, you know, successful company, you know, in any aspect of life, when you're dealing with a team, um, it's not always easy to get everyone on the same page. There's always, there's always that one person that, not that they're doing something wrong, but you just always have to rein in a little bit, you know, but with our team, it was almost like it was like a match made in heaven from the from the players to the coaches to the office to the ticket takers to the people sweeping, you know, the stadium. Everyone sure. was like it was the most perfect blend of people and everybody was had the same goal. No one was like trying to outdo each other. It was just um, it was just well, and, you don't, and you don't see that a lot. It was just one of those things where everyone. um 
you know, like Yellowstone, we had the ranchers and everyone was going one way and uh, it, it worked. And um, it's not always like that, you know. And, well, and that's that's another tribute to you, though, AJ, because if you watch the documentary, which I'm sure everybody listening will do it if they haven't already. If you watch the documentary, these guys loved you and would take a bullet for you and your father. Right. You yeah. treated them well. And that doesn't happen all the time in hockey. It's the owners against the players instead yeah. of the owners with the players. And if you listen to the guys and I've talked to a lot of them subsequently on the phone in the last few days, they're still passionate about the team. They, I spent, oh, 40 minutes on the phone with Mike Rupp and yeah. he had nothing but good things to say. And here's a guy that played with got a Stanley Cup with New Jersey and played Pittsburgh and other teams. But he still is passionate about the trashers. That's that's again, that's a tribute to you and your dad and how you treated the people. It was players with the owners, not players against the owners. Well, here's here's one thing. One thing that I want to add to that, because look, of course, we're going to pump your tires. You're the reason why this team exists. You're a large part of the reason why this team exists. But tell me there wasn't a part of you as a young president as the person who's kind of working against the world, as someone who loves the bad guy in professional wrestling that wasn't kind of playing the role of, of course, you're going to hate me. You're going to love to hate me. You're being that because I got to be honest, like I grew up, you and I are are similar ages. And, and that, that type of bravado was very often condemned in, in a setting by people who are, you know, picked on or whatever, but you knew there was, it came from a good place. You were playing a role and the the trajectory that the the documentary takes, it seems like they're trying to set you up as dislikable in the beginning, only to have a redemptive arc, which I think is similar to every person on the team. They go through it, you go through it. It just seems so well put together. Was that intentional on on your part? Uh, one million percent. That's one thing yeah. I will take credit for because you know what happened is, you know, I've been by my dad's side since I was young, probably just like yourself. And uh, you know, you know, the tough thing is. When you're always by, you know, my dad's my hero. I want to be just like him. I'm, I'm eerily like him in ways I, I sometimes even now I'm like, wow, that sounded like my dad sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you're looked at as quote unquote spoiled. And that's tough because um, I'm willing to work as hard as anybody, whether you got a billion dollars or you got two dollars, you know. And um, I knew, you know, when my dad named me the president or whatever, like I knew I was going to get so much backlash. I knew I was going to take a lot of stuff from people. So like you said, you know, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to get flack anyway, I might as well amplify my efforts in taking it. And um, I just I just became that. I mean, listen, at 17 years old, telling ESPN, hey, we're going to be the baddest hockey team of all time. We never (laughs) even played a the puck hadn't even dropped yet. And um, to hear like a 17 year old punk kid say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I mean, right away, people were just up in arms, but it worked because um, I think, and I don't have the numbers so long ago, but uh, I know we gross, you know, ticket sales when we were the away team, the, they were selling out buildings everywhere because they wanted to see us get pounded. And uh, amazing. They wanted to stick it right back to that, the young punk kid running this team. And um, it just worked. And, um, you know, just little things we would do just to aggravate everyone. It's so funny. We refused to play preseason games. Um, (laughs) We, we, uh, you know, we, we would, um, and and you know what? I didn't grow up in, like I said, I played the game. So, you know, I learned a lot about hockey culture, you know, just from afar, really, you know, and um, 
you know, little things like switching, switching players' jerseys during warm-up so the opposing team didn't know what line was what. And, and just right. stupid, <laughs> just like stupid little, like just the stupidest little things just to aggravate people. Hey, it, you know, what I learned in the boxing industry now is um, the last thing you want is an angry fighter. Because if a right. fighter goes in the ring angry, he's he. you got to be cool, calm, and collective. And we were aggravating people so much that by the time the puck dropped, they were so off their game that, um, you know, granted, we didn't go undefeated, but we, we did well. And, and you know, I, I attribute some of that to the mind games we used to play with people. Of course. It's hilarious. I mean, turning off the heat. I'm not saying you did it, but the heat turning off in the visiting locker room, yeah, the fire was, alarms going off in the hotels. a lot of anonymous things going on, I heard. And we got fined frequently. And, uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Thankfully, we weren't in the days of smartphones where there was video cameras and proof. Right. Of that. So there wasn't, you know, the commissioner would get aggravated because there wasn't too much proof of things, but he had to take the word of it. And uh, uh, we just uh, <laughs> we, we had a, we had a good time. Well, that commissioner, uh, Richard Brosel of the of the UHL at the time, what's your relationship with him like now? Because the documentary paints a picture and I, I kind of like this as well, because I, I, I view the documentary almost as a segment of professional wrestling. And he yeah. is clearly the, the villain in this, even though you guys are playing the role of villain. But at the end, he says a lot of really nice things about you and your dad and, and what you guys brought to the league. Do you still talk to him? Are you guys still in touch at all? Yeah, we, we talk from here, you know, from time to time. And, uh, I personally thought he was the star of the whole documentary. I mean, um, he was great. He was like, uh, you know, if you remember like the, you know what me and his relationship was, it was kind of like Ferris Bueller and and the principal (laughs) trying to catch him. It it was like a lovable hate. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, listen, he, uh, man, you know, he's totally bald now, but he had a little bit of hair left when we got into the league. And then after (laughs) us, he was, he lost it all. You know, and uh, I, I break his chops about that. And uh, he's a character and uh, man, he he has to have a lot of trauma from those years. I'll tell you, he was um, he was the best, but we had a great relationship, you know. But at the same time, you know, we would mess around with each other. But I, my I didn't know to respect him. I mean, he was a commissioner. Um, yeah. You know, I knew there was that line there and he had a job to do. So, I mean, I would get the call every Monday morning after the weekend of games and and he'd be screaming at me, yelling at me. And uh, and it was just fun. And, and what he would do is after he yelled at me, he would call my dad and kind of, you know, review what he told me. And finally, my dad, and this is a true story, my dad once wired him, I believe, $10,000 and said, listen, use this as a suspension retainer. And every time, just take it off. Why are you bothering me weekly? So... That's a true story. And uh, my, dad, my dad's like, look, I got a lot of things going on. I can't be taking these calls every Monday. Just I'll have AJ send the money and just stock it off each week, whatever you got to do. And he was like dumbfounded. You know, these are there just, was uh, a line, but you guys kept moving it. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You had and to he, make adjustments because he'd tell you right at the beginning, we can't have this, this and this. And then the next week you would do it. And then he'd say, OK, but you can't do this, this and this. And it would keep, <laughs> keep moving. Yeah, it was, now, uh, but, but again, I mean, uh, you know, he was the best. I thought he, I thought, I thought he was the star of the documentary. He's, he's hilarious. And and that's how he was, you know, 18 years ago. 
I, I honestly feel like you could pick any number. I mean, Wingfield is obviously was a huge star at the time and, and was a big star of the documentary as well. You can T-bone, you know, is 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 just a cult favorite. You can pick almost anyone, you know, you as well as as being the star. And that's one of the most uh, interesting things about it is that all the characters meant so many different things to so many different people. I want to draw this comparison because I always find this funny. You know, there's there's the story of cops and robbers and traditionally you're supposed to be on the team of the cops and that's, yeah. you know, raw, raw, get him, get him, get him. But there was there was a love of the relationship between you and the commissioner. And then all of a sudden the documentary introduces the FBI and the crowd boos them. It's like <laughs> like like I that that's the kind of thing that you absolutely love about it. And I think the Ferris Bueller comparison makes sense because there's an understanding of like, if I don't catch you no big deal. Don't let me catch you and we won't be in trouble. And then the FBI comes and they're doing wiretaps and they're doing undercovers. And it's like, those aren't the rules of the game. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like how, how, how great is it to know you're on that side of knowing that you were getting away with something and people are disliking the FBI for it. I, I, I don't understand it. Cause again, I mean, um, contrary to what may people may believe, you know, my father always taught me, Hey, you always respect law enforcement. Um, of course. You know, they have a job to do. It wasn't like we were sitting there, you know, screw the cops. And, and we weren't like, you know, I wasn't right. raised that way, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, it, from time to time, you'd see people and, you know, you always be respectful. You know, they have a job to do. But uh, I don't know where the psychology comes in, where you're booing the FBI who's <laughs> trying to do their job. And uh it's kind of funny. I don't want to say it's too funny because I don't want any problems with them, you know, but sure. I, I will say it, it's it's I don't get it. It's um, it's a psychological thing. I see it all the time and, and I don't know where it comes from. But, uh, you know, listen, time heals all wounds. And, uh, you know, I think this doc and, you know, the situation, you know, my father had, unfortunately, legally, it's so far behind us now yeah. that it is almost funny. And um, yeah. you just don't. It's just really funny, but um, yeah, it's weird. You know, like you said, it's like, um, like we talked about people you love to hate, you hate to love. It's a weird psychological thing with people. I want to, I want to actually kind of continue on that a little bit. You talked about uh, uh, what happened with your dad legally. We don't need to get into that, but here's an interesting bit of information. So crime and penalties was a part of the untold saga of Netflix documentaries. The day your dad pled in court, was the day Malice in the Palace between the Pistons and the Pacers took place, which was another of the documentary stories in Untold. Oh, wow. You know, Netflix. I didn't even, I didn't even, th you know what? That's some good research. I didn't even Isn't that crazy? realize that. That's funny. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that whole, you know, that whole thing obviously stemmed from the beginning of the, the controversy between, in the situation between Alzinga and Wingfield, uh, uh, a, a, a massive brawl breaking out, uh, Wingfield having his, his leg broken in, in severe ways, potentially career ending. Um, and I want to, I want to sort of pull on that a little bit, talk about that situation that happened, because obviously this all comes down to a, a rematch between Elzinga and Wing, Wingfield. Uh, you also have, obviously, you know, a, a couple other important people in, in the documentary. You've got Roman Endure, who gets a 20-game suspension as a result of that initial initial brawl. But that brawl, I think, happened in 2004, and the rematch didn't happen as shown in the documentary until 2005, right? Yes. At that time, wasn't Endure on Kalamazoo? So, yeah. So, you know, we had two seasons and the documentary, though, you know, because of the time restraints, it almost like makes it, it seem like looks, one. It almost looks like just one season. Yes. And, yeah, yes. So you're right. So Kalamazoo was in, you know, 
I think, you know, Western Conference, I'll say. So we only played them during the regular regular season twice, once there, right. once here. And um, yeah, our first year, um, you know, the funny thing is Brent Gretzky was winger's lineman. Well, Brad Wingfield was on Brent Gretzky's line. And, uh, you know, um, I- I'll never forget it. You know, winger gets hurt. And, uh, you know, it was just, I cannot even describe to you, like, um, you know, where it's a small arena, you know, I heard the leg like snap, yeah. like it was disgusting. And uh, yeah, what happened was you're right. Room and Ender, you know, the rest of the game was going off on Calum, you know, what happened, you know, gear two, you know, because of the veteran rules and you need so many rookies and this and that uh, room. And unfortunately was a casualty just to, you know, different things. And uh, they ended up bringing room in that second year Kalamazoo brought in Ruman just for that weekend, you know, Wow. maybe they thought he'd be like, uh, I don't know, a, a peace treaty type of guy or something. <laughs> but, uh, but I remember, um, I remember seeing Ruman before the game and going up saying hi to him. And, uh, you know, he's like, listen, I told these guys, you know what? I mean, I, I, I have my role and stuff, but I'm not going to stop winger from, you know, if they cross paths, you know, I'll do my best to protect them if it gets too out of line, but he's got to answer for it. And, uh, you know what? I give Elzing a lot of credit and, and yeah. uh, you know, he could have sat that game out, you know, they sure. could have, but you know what? I, I give him credit that he went out there and, uh, yeah, it was just a crazy time. You, and, you, um, you ruin your uh, reputation. It's a, it's a hockey thing. Okay. Yes. You got to answer the bell or you're, you're, that's the end of it. Yeah. I mean, you, if you don't uh, respond to something that, you know, everybody knows when something happens one game, uh, you're going to have to answer the bell the next game or you're going to be called a chicken or you yeah. lose your respect amongst the league. So, yeah, good for him. He came back. No, it was I, a hell I, of a fight. And I, and I tell people, listen, I, I don't, you know, things happen. Um, what he did what was dirty. But, hey, you know, things happen. Um, you don't like to see it. But I give him credit. He did answer the bell. I mean, uh, you know, because trust me, he didn't have to come to Danbury if he didn't want to. You know, we only played them once, twice, and then subsequently we play them in the finals. So, uh, yeah, weird, weird stuff. But uh, yeah, it was crazy times. It's it's amazing because I was I was trying to put because I I noticed at a certain point that the timeline of the documentary didn't quite line up with the two seasons. And here's a little uh, a little uh, uh, kind of a, a surprise or a little special. Uh, cookie in in there in 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 the episode go back and watch it in one of the last scenes of the second brawl between your team and Kalamazoo Danbury and Kalamazoo uh there's a small fragment of a scene when Wingfield is going to skate off ice and Endor goes up to him to try to grab him as though he's engaging in a fight like maybe you went too far maybe I've got to show my team that I'm working maybe the coach said hey we're paying you you got to do something they yeah. didn't end up engaging but if you pay close attention you can see Endor on the other team in that scene which I found pretty fascinating yeah you know that's pretty that yeah that's funny yeah it's uh but yeah you're right you know um I remember the documentary producer saying you know uh, it's a shame we only have one episode because we have to kind of right you know kind of piece it all together yeah. yeah yeah at this point they're probably regretting the fact that they didn't make it a two or three part series <laughs> yes yeah. no seriously well, there's, given there's, the there's success. enough there well you know it, it, it it's true and it's funny you know the producers went to bat for us because you know um as mikey said you know it's part of a five-part untold series and we were one of the chapters and I was told Netflix at first wasn't sold on our, our story because, you know, the other four were probably like big name, you know, cele- you know, athletes. Sure. Or, 
And they were kind of like, ah, what is this? And, and, and the producers, they went to bat and they're like, no, trust us. You, you <laughs> want this, you want this episode. And, uh, you know, as you know, Brian, we've talked, I mean, some of the other characters on the team, they didn't even get to get to, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, uh, it's a shame because there are so many stories. I mean, it, it's insane. So, well, you know, you never it, know what the future holds. It really is because I, I had phoned. So Ken Reed from Sportsnet was in here and I was telling him about our relationship and how it's growing. And he said to me, uh, you know, one guy you got a contact that wasn't in the documentary is uh is John Morasti. Uh-huh, yeah. John Nasty Morasti. And so I've contacted him a bit, uh recently and what a character he is. And he's probably the as as famous as maybe Wingfield who'd be the other like big big name. Yeah. But he's had a whole career in enforcing all all over the world including KHL. He is he is um and you know it's funny we got him after Brad got hurt. And what happened mm. was when when Wingfield um you know had his leg broken unfortunately literally the next weekend. I mean it was it was such a it, like it just took the air out of us when we lost Winger because he was the heart and soul of the team and uh yeah. you know we had we had toughness on the depth chart for days but still it didn't feel the same without him and um that's when I met a guy who told me, you know, hey, I'm really close friends with this guy, John Morassi. He's playing in Bakersfield at the East Coast League. Um, he wants to come because he had heard the type of team we were. And I'm like, all right. And then the next day, this is how long ago, I got a box of VHS tapes and it said John Nasty Morasti. And I'm like, all right. And I put it in. Man, he's uh, maybe five foot eight, little guy. <laughs> You know, a pumpkin head and uh, kind of like Ty Domi. Domi. Oh, my God. And and you know what? Hand speed like I've never seen in hockey. I mean, at that level. And um, he'd be smiling. You'd be punching him in the head and he'd be smiling at you. And uh, I'm like, all right, this is our guy. And um, he came right in and it was like next man up. And uh, he was a major fan favorite for sure. And then next the following season, we had Wingfield and Marassi on this on the same team, which was like. For anyone who enjoys, you know, that part of hockey, it was like a fantasy lineup. And, uh, <laughs> you know, amazing. but uh, yeah, we had some characters for sure. Now, I, I want to ask, you know, we talk about some of the things that do- the documentary couldn't get to, you know, just just based on time, you know, the two seasons, different players, this and that. Uh, what is one thing, if anything, that the documentary got wrong? Did you notice anything that you watched and you're like, that wasn't quite how it happened or this wasn't portrayed the right way? I promise you, and I tell people this, you know, one of the things I really feared like the week before this thing came out was I'm yeah. like, oh God, what? Because we didn't get a sneak preview. Like um, that's part of the con- contractual stuff with Netflix is we didn't get like a preview of it. it when you guys were able to see it, we were oh, able to wow. see it. So it was, as it got closer, it was starting to get a little nerve wracking because, uh, you know, they had filmed in 2019 in the summer and um, part of the deal was, you know, my family forget it from the time of birth. I have like home videos and old pictures and uh, I'm starting to think like, Oh God, I hope they don't put certain things in and this home. Mm-hmm. They might've found, you know, listen, some middle school sleepovers with buddies, you're acting nuts. I'm like, Oh God, sure. I hope they didn't find that tape, you know? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, t- and then you start like, Oh, what are they going to embellish? What are they not going to embellish? I promise you it's like, other than like a couple little nitpicky things, such as you said, maybe piecing two season sure. footages together, it's eerily accurate. I mean, I'm telling you, it is like, um, and my dad said the same thing. He's like, wow. He's like, they didn't even like 
lie or embellish for that's drama. Amazing. It was, and I think that's again what makes the story so crazy because it's so true. And I got people to this day will message me on Instagram and uh, they're like, there's like they're convinced it's not a real story. They're like, this is a mockumentary. Oh like, wow! They think I like we were actors. They're like, you guys are actors. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, buddy, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it's it happened. But uh, you know, well, it's, it's um. I think that's the best compliment you could get is that you were involved honestly. with something. I mean, I think that's some of the best compliments you could get if you're involved with something so crazy and you have record of it and people still don't believe it. It's it's pretty funny. Well, you know, typically in like reality TV, the reason a producer adds drama is because there isn't drama. If anything, it's like they'd have to dial it back. Like we said, because there was so much, there are too many characters. There's this and that. Like, great. They they stick, they stuck to their guns. They they could have gone overboard, but then maybe it's too much. I It felt authentic, as we mentioned earlier. And, and I think they did a good job kind of sticking to, to, to their lines there. Now, to talk more about the actual hockey aspect of the Danbury Trashers. It isn't just a matter in hockey of the owner of a team drafting players and saying, this is the play style I want. After your first season, there was a coaching change. Was there any difficulty speaking with the coaching staff and saying, this is the kind of game I want you to play? You may have your directions, but like, we need to, this is the end product. We don't care how you get there. Was there any conflict there? You know, it's so funny. So many people have asked me after watching the documentary, they're like, who was the coaches of this team? Because it's like, they don't even, you know, and, and it, you know, I think we had good coaches, but it was such a unique and unusual situation where it actually wasn't fair to them. I think, because Mm -hmm. I think the players police themselves like they typically do. It's almost like they coach themselves. Right. And um, as crazy as that sounds. And um, it again, it was just such a weird blend and ingredients we had where a lot of times they look to me or my dad and be like, and I'm like, I'm not a coach. I, I play high school <laughs> hockey, you know, and, uh, you know, and um, it was a very I think it was a very unfair situation for both the guys we had. But again, you know, you talk about professional, they understood, they, they understood the situation too coming sure. in, you know what I mean? Sure. And, their um, roles. You know, and, uh, again, it kind of all played itself out, but, uh, yeah, it is kind you of, know, let, let me ask you this. You say they look to you. I know in the documentary at one point, they looked up to the box where you were and then the gloves dropped before the puck was even dropped. <laughs> um, and they credit you with, Telling the guys that this is going to happen before the game. Is that a true story? I think it was his dad. I think his well, dad. 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 So it was in the back of the, it was back in the day. Uh, maybe you guys remember the old Nextel cell phones with the walkie talkie. Yeah. And oh, right. um, so we had back in those days, we had, we all had Nextels and uh, my father had one and it was before the first game. And uh, Tommy T-Bone, the equipment manager, um, I saw my dad start chirping, like using the walkie talkie. I'm like, who's he talking to? We're about to have our first game, you know? And uh, I look down and I see T-Bone kind of pull a Nextel out of his pocket. And I'm like, I'm looking back and forth. And my dad's like, you know, bleep, bleep. He's like, put Wingfield on. And I look, I'm like, what the hell is going on? I look down and I literally see T-Bone, you know, Brad's just, you know, waiting for a shift or waiting for to get on. And (laughs) you see Tommy like, give him the phone and, and Tom uh, and Wingfield's looking at him like, what's wrong with you? And takes his, <laughs> he takes it, you know, Wingfield takes his glove off. He takes the phone. He's like, hello. And my dad was like, Hey, listen, 
set the tone, get on the ice and drop your gloves. And thankfully there was amazing. And thankfully there was someone on the ice there to oblige with him. You know what I mean? Cause you know, first shift, first game of the season, it's a lot of skilled guys at first. And, uh, it was like ripping the bandaid off in Danbury. It was kind of like, Hey, this is what you're in store for, for as long as we can do it. Unfortunately it was two seasons and, um, people just, they went you know, nuts. He pointed up to your dad and said, okay, I did yeah. my job. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, we used to do that. Um, we used to do that all the time. I mean, me and Marassi, I mean, it was like, it was like we were flashing gang signs to each other. We would be having like, uh, we would, we would, we, it would be like talking in sign. Like we'd be talking back and people must've thought we were, which we were, we were absolutely nuts. And, uh, a true story. I mean, I, I wish I could sit there and say, Hey guys, we pull the wool over your eyes for 18 years, but that's what it you was. Know what? It was that's the cool part of this because you'd never get anybody to admit that in the NHL. I know. They're I'm not allowed to, yeah. but it happens. Yeah. It happens. You oh, go yeah. out there, set the tone, but, but in, in your position, you can say it now because it's not And, and again, that's where you get the call from the commissioner the next day. So what the hell are you guys thinking? Oh God, I would get so, and, um, I mean, just every Monday, um, cause I come home, I was in college at one point and I would, uh, I went to college in New York. So, you know, 45 minute drive back and forth. So I'd come home on weekends for the games and, or even the away games I'd watch on, you know, the feed and, um, on the way back to school, every Monday, back to New York, I'd get the call. It was Brussel. It was like almost eight o'clock on the dot. Every Monday I'd get the call and, you know, sometimes That's I'd have awkward. to put, I'd have to put myself on mute sometimes because I'd be laughing because he would get, because <laughs> he would get so mad. He would get so mad. You know, when someone's yelling so hard, you could almost see through the phone him spitting because he's so yes. mad sometimes. <laughs> and I had to mute it sometimes because I'd be laughing and, uh, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm Mr. Brussel. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I don't, I'll, I'll get It'll to never the happen again until don't, next week. <laughs> don't worry, Commissioner. I, I used to joke with him. He used to get, sometimes he'd laugh. Sometimes he'd be pissed. I said, don't worry, Commissioner. I'm on the case and I'll see what happened. And uh, yeah, it was just the, the same thing the next week. It was just a uh, fun time. That's amazing. Well, I mean, it wasn't, you know, your dad, when he, when he bought into the league, it's, 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 it's not chump change. It's a $500,000 franchise fee. And then yeah. he committed to a million and a half dollars in arena renovations for Danbury. Uh, was that available? Like, was that ready day one of, of the season starting all those renovations? Mikey, I swear to Christ, when I tell you within 15 minutes of opening the doors for opening night, it was October 15, 2004. I promise you we still had guys putting the finishing touches to the arena, like, like <laughs> welding. There was like sparks flying all over the place. Um, I had two of my best friends through high school. They were painting quick. Like, Oh my God. Like, like when you say it was the most trasher thing ever, like literally to the minute we just got the assignment in to the teacher, like, like literally last second. Um, it, it was just nuts, but <laughs> I love that. It was crazy. Yeah. Now, now uh, it, it's clear, you know, my dad has mentioned he's, he's spent the last uh, uh, couple of weeks talking to a lot of the ex players and this and that. And obviously the community must have just such a shot in the arm after this. And this goes out to the, the Danbury Trashers community as well, who, who's likely going to be listening to this. It seems like they've just got new life, but it's not only about the fans. Have you noticed a significant change in the lives of the players since this documentary? Have they been able to capitalize both emotionally and financially on, on its release? I'm so happy because, you know, it's one of those. That's where I get the most joy from this documentary is like a lot of these guys 
even if they weren't in the documentary, it, it's almost like they're walking around with like a badge of honor. Like sure. even if they played one game with us. It's like, you know, I played with the trashers and uh, it's just so surreal to me because I never would have thought this would happen. Um, when we lost a team in 06, you know, in the most unceremonialist way ever. I mean, I'm just like, all right, well, that's it. You know, that's that's all she wrote. And um, right. to think 16 years later that I'd be talking to guys like you and and fans from all over that love this doc. It's just it's just surreal. It's humbling to me. And uh, but where I get the most joy is the players that um, were part of this, because really they're the reason um you know, uh, I get a lot of credit. My dad gets a lot of credit, but it's the players that, you know, they're the soldiers that go out there and, and, you know, they, they walked our talk. So, you know, to be able to see them get recognized, um, it, it's a great feeling. Cause like you said, a lot of these guys, you know, um, the majority of them, you know, blue collar guys now, you know, I know like yep. when works full time and all these guys, you know, it's, um, it's good to see, it's good to see, um, you know, characters like that in this day and age still get a little bit of shine. Absolutely. So. Here's what I'm thinking. These guys, uh, you're right. They they went to bat for you. Now, all of a sudden, they're, some of them that kind of fell by the wayside are now celebrities. Mike Rupp told me, this jersey is iconic. This team <laughs> is a real-life sla- slapshot. Slap is known as probably one of the best, yeah. if not the best, hockey uh, movie of all time. This is real life slap shot. Yeah. This is what probably they would base the story on if it was done Honestly. after the but but Mike Rupp was saying he gets calls from other NHL players. And we're gonna talk about this in a few minutes, but they want his jersey. They want a trasher's jersey. You've had yeah. um, unbelievable success selling trasher's jerseys after the documentary. And all these guys are talking about you had Drake wear the jersey. Right. You had other Big celebrities wear the jersey. It's a really one. It's a really cool jersey, and two, it's even that much better when it, it when it's associated with with the documentary and the team. That now people know all about, right? Well, I I think that's the amazing thing to me is um, I'll see people like people will reach out to me for merchandise, jerseys, whatever, and truthfully, they're not even hockey fans, and they either watch the documentary. Or not even watch the doc. Sometimes people just see and be like, like a trash can with a hockey stick. I have to have that <laughs> jersey, you know? And it's like, um, it's the craziest thing. And again, it was just one of those things where, um, you know, it, it just, it just, it's mind blowing to me, honestly. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rupper, I saw Rupper a few weeks ago and we were talking. He's like, AJ, he goes, more people talk to me about this documentary than. He goes, I got play. He goes, I got people that, you know, never said boo to me before. Now, all of a sudden, and I'm like, well, that's good. You know, take advantage. And he won a Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so crazy to me, but um, it's, 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 it's definitely a blessing for sure. Well, we're doing, we're doing quite a bit. You know, we've been in, in conversation about bringing a, a full product line. That's part of, you know, you know, having you on, that's how we got in contact. It was originally through Brent Gretzky and, and, and just kind of, uh, well, it, yeah, let me bring you up to speed sure, on that yeah. because I got a call from Brent Gretzky and, uh, you know, I've been working with Wayne and, and Brent for years and years. And so Brent wanted some advice on a call that he got from you saying, geez, they want to you know, get, get me in, involved with this deal. Mm-hmm. And I kind of asked him, I said, you know, well, what's that involved? And he said, well, they're just, they want to use my name on the Jersey and they want to, you know, kind of 
make me a bit of a partner in that. So they don't want to just do it without my permission, which is still part and parcel of everything you've done. Yeah. So I, he said to me, I just want to know what your thoughts are. And uh, I said, well, what, what's he, you know, they want autographs. And he says, no, they just want to use my name on the back of the jersey. I said, well, aren't you going to autograph anything? And he said, well, they haven't asked that. And I said, well, now I start doing some homework. I hadn't seen the documentary at mm. that point. Like I said, I had missed it when it first came out. So we, I w- we'd been telling you to watch it yeah. since it came well, out. No, all the kids <laughs> have said, you got to see this. And somehow I missed it. So now I go watch it and I go, oh my God, this is unbelievable. We've got to be involved here. So that's when I contacted, uh, Brent gave me your number and I contacted you. And I said, Frameworth works with Sidney Crosby, Carey Price. We've done exclusive deals with Jonathan Taves all across the board. You did a little homework on our company. You've been launching and selling the jerseys through Ver- Verbero for, for uh, I don't know, a year or so now. And they've been selling really well, but they haven't hit the autograph memorabilia channel. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're missing the boat here. There's a huge demand in our world for this stuff. And you agreed and so we started working towards a partnership on selling the exclusive, exclusively selling the autographed memorabilia. And that's why I've been in touch with all the players. And we're about to launch that. And thanks to Brent. And, and this way, we're still going to include the players. So we talked about the players kind of getting a celebrity status. Right. Now they're going to get a bit of an income out of it and, sure. and, and have product for everybody that's looking for it. And the good news is we've tracked down the company that does the actual game model jerseys, which are going to be unique to to this part of our industry, the, the as, opposed line, to, yeah. as opposed to replicas. And every, even the NHL, they got replicas and they got Pro 8. Ours will be the game model jerseys from the company that made them for your team in the first place. And all the autographs will be on those jerseys. Um, and we're so excited about that and autograph pucks and autograph photos and all that stuff that we're going to be launching. This will be on air in a couple of weeks and, and about the same time we'll do well, a pre-launch. at the time, at the time they're listening to it, it, it is on air. Right. So well, that's true. <laughs> so I would say, keep an eye out for the launch in a week or so. Um, yes. By the time they listen to it, it's, it's already there. Uh, we're so excited about working with this. I have never been so pumped about a new line for a long time, maybe since I had seen Yeah. Them. So, so keep an eye out on, uh, on the Danbury Trashers social media on Frameworth social media as well. The Frameworth website, we'll be doing some blasts and launches and stuff. And I think a lot of cross promotion, uh, uh, AJ, just because, you know, the, like you said, people want this stuff, and uh, and it's crazy that you've kind of been sitting on this secret for for uh, sixteen years, seventeen years uh, <laughs> it, until until it comes to fruition. And God, it feels like it feels like an investment you made. Like like maybe uh, IBM reached out to you in in a long time ago, and you put five dollars into it, and then realized twenty years later you got a gold mine on your hands. So that's that's great. Yeah, like I said when we first started, you know, sometimes it's it's, it's good to be lucky too. I mean, it's just <laughs> sometimes all the stars align, and yeah, I'm super pumped to be working with you guys and Brian. And you know, like I said, I one of the things you know, I've done merch in the past, t-shirts, hoodies, stuff like that. I've done collaborations with more merchandise type stuff, but I, I've been holding off, and and sometimes it's it just works out that way. I've been holding off on that memorabilia side, and yeah. Um, so many people have asked me, you know, collectors and, and everyone. And um, for whatever the reason, um, part of it by design, but also part of it just because it's been so crazy. I just haven't hadn't gotten around to it. I mean, um, so many people ask me for pucks. And so it's it's uh, 
And, you know, it's one of those things that I tell people, you know, this story, it's, it's sustaining itself. So, you know, a lot of people are like, yo, you got to hurry strike while it's hot, which I agree. But at the same time, I just think it's one of these stories that's just going to linger. And, um, it just see it doesn't want to it just doesn't want to go to sleep really it's it's crazy we're still we're we're months away from it and people are still this interested in it i you know it, and it seems like that kind of thing where a story this good doesn't just go away this is you know like the movie slapshot is is yeah. decades old now and we still go back and watch we're not it. we're not jumping in here for a short term thing in fact yeah. uh, can you imagine getting we we didn't touch too much on Brent, but he was your first captain, Brent yeah, Gretzky. Right. Can you imagine getting a Brent Gretzky jersey, a Gretzky jersey for a, a lot less than Wayne's are going for $2,500 US? You're going to be able to buy this a lot more reasonably. Well, and actually, I, I, I mean, that, that's like, and that's why when I, you know, reunited with Brent, you know, a month or so back, I said, Brent, I said, you know, you know, I'm a humble guy, but right now the Trasher logo is that logo right now. And I said, yeah. You know, and he's not stupid. He knows his name is the most iconic name in, in hockey. And uh, I'm like, could you imagine in 2022 selling a Gretzky <laughs> Trasher jersey? It's it's with the captain C and every. I'm like, it's insane. He and, is so uh, excited about this. And and I had lunch with Wayne uh, last weekend when he was in Toronto, and I was telling him about this. And he's excited for his brother too. I said, well, maybe we can get a picture of you wearing your brother's jersey. And he said, oh yeah, that's how you're going to make the money on this. I said, <laughs> well, I tell, we'll get know, him to do that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, and you told me, Brian, too, but Brent said it to me too. He's like, you know, me and my brother got the most points all the time as a brother duo. Yeah. <laughs> I said, maybe so, Brent. He may have the points on you, but you have the jersey on him. I said, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's amazing. Yeah. So I, you know what? I, I'm happy for him too because uh, you know what? I, I've always given him a lot of credit. I mean, to you know, he's been in a shadow, and he's he 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 marked him. You know, he just he did his thing, and he had a good career too. And uh, no, I'm really career, I'm yeah. really happy for him too. And you know, like you said, this doc, if it brings attention to him and you know, all the good things he's done too. That that's great. I, uh, I think my, my ideal product I'd, uh, item that I would love to bring is a replica of the famous Danbury Trashers chain. I'd love to redo that in the way that like a championship <laughs> ring comes like that, that to me, you've got the rights to the logo. There's, there's a conversation. I'm writing this up. one up. We got a jewelry line happening now. <laughs> well, I tell you, shockingly, a lot of people have asked me for that. Now, of course, everyone wants it until they have to pay, but I'll yeah. tell you what, uh, they, I, I'm shocked how many people when they saw that chain it was like, "Oh, I got to get a trasher chain." Nothing would surprise me anymore. So honestly, honestly, the 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 more elaborate, the better. Now we don't want to uh, uh, go too much longer. Obviously, we could go another four hours if we wanted. Well, we'll to, get but back in a little while I, in, a, in another for, month for another we... another recording. But we did have some fans reach out on Instagram with some kind of some rapid fire questions that we'll kind of use to wrap things up. Um, first of all, uh, one, one quick one from ZZS cave. Uh, do you have a memorabilia collection specifically in, in hockey? I know you took kind of a break from hockey after the trashers, uh, but memorabilia in general, do you have a, a relation to that? So, yeah, I mean, as a young kid, I had a lot of different, I used to love memorabilia. I had like wrestling stuff. I had replica belts, a uh, hockey. Yeah. I had, um, I don't know if it was game used, but it was like a replica Martin Brodeur stick he had signed. I remember the big, I don't know. And again, it's been so long. I remember he had the heat and stick. It was like heat. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had like, you know, devils, like mini helmets, you know, um, 
Scott Stevens. You were a big like, Devils fan, of course. Oh, Scott Stevens was like a god to me. I had a, oh, like yeah. a mini Scott Stevens helmet. Um, football. I'm a Raiders fan, so I had a, like Raider helmets. Uh, so yeah, I didn't have like, I didn't monopolize one sport. I had a little sure. bit of everything. You know, uh, I had a Stone Cold Steve Austin like eight by ten that I framed, which was like the holy grail for me at the time. I mean, uh, a little bit of everything for sure. I got to tell you just quickly, you and my eldest son are his, uh, Chris, uh, Mikey's uh, brother, almost identical in your likes, almost <laughs> your appearance. He had the same outfits, the same hats, love of wrestling is all, all of that is so funny. similar to what you are. Yeah. It's, just, so I was, funny. I was, it's, it, a, it's such a small world. And you know what? Uh, yeah, my my fashion sense was definitely unmatched back then. I mean, I get the kids; they mess with me about it every day here because uh, <laughs> you know I'm like, well, listen, we wore everything too big, and you kids wear everything too small now, so it evened itself out. So. <laughs> the full the full Enichi velour suit. I yes, think my brother had the exact course. same one at one he point. He sounds like um, a great. He sounds like a great kid. I, I that that's that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, another one quickly. Uh, 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 Jbell eighty eight on Instagram. Best Mighty Ducks movie in your opinion. Oh man, it's got to be one or two. I don't even consider three, to be honest with you. I, yeah, I have to say two because that's where okay. the Bash Brothers came together. So I'll go two. Okay, then uh, what about uh, from uh, Mister Dot Indica Double O Seven? First of all, Mister Indica Double O Seven, pick pick an identity. Indica Double O Seven. Which one? Just pick one. Pick one and stay with it. Secondly, his question is Conway or Banks. Oh boy. Now that's a good question. I never heard of that. I, I usually get picked between the Bash Brothers. I this is this threw me for a loop. You know, I'm gonna go Conway because he was more the blue collar, you know, District Nine kid. So I'm gonna yeah. go with Charlie Conway. Amazing, I love that. Uh, and then uh, uh, maybe maybe you can get into this one. Uh, Lankyman zero one sounds like my Instagram handle uh, on, on Instagram. <laughs> Favorite player you've signed uh, for the Trashers? Maybe someone who wasn't featured in the documentary, just to give them a little bit of love. Oh, man, that question will get me in trouble. But I, yeah, would you say, know, <laughs> I would say no. I'll answer it. I would say, you know what, Danny Stewart. The second year, he was like a little Brad Marchand. That's who yeah. I relate him to. Little guy, always in the mix. You know. He drew more instigator penalties than anyone I've ever seen. I mean, you just want to punch him in the face when you see him. Uh, and we traded for him. He was on the Fort Wayne comments. We traded for him like early in the second season. And uh, he ended up, I think he's a coach over in the UK somewhere, but um, okay. a great guy. I mean, great team guy could do literally everything. Fight, score, instigate, uh, great locker room guy. So I'll say Danny Stewart for sure. Amazing. And then one question from me, uh, because I, I'm, I'm fascinated speaking with uh, some of these uh, athletes that we've that we've uh, had in before guys, especially who, you know, haven't won a Stanley Cup or maybe haven't reached like, the, you know, they had a goal in mind, didn't quite get get to that extra level. You have you talk in the documentary so lovingly about lovingly is a weird word to use for it, but about that final uh, uh, confrontation between Kalamazoo and Danbury. And you almost talk about that as the, the pinnacle victory of the team, what would you rather have that night going the way it's going with the storyline, like a scene out of professional wrestling or uh, a victory against Kalamazoo in the championships in the final year? Wow. Now that's a good question too. You know what? 
that's one of those flip of the coin type questions. Yeah. But I'll, I'll say this. At the end of the day, it's all about winning. And it would have been nice to win the cup ultimately in the end. I mean, you talk about a storyline. If we would have won the championship and then lost the team a week later, that would have been even more insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my dad always taught me at the end of the day, it's it's uh, it's about winning. So I would say if I had to looking back in a more mature 35 year old way. I would say definitely winning the cup in the end. Amazing. I love that. Now we're, we're getting close to the end of, uh, of our time here, but we thank you for, for all the time you spent with us. I could, again, we will, we'll, we'll try to work something out to do something else. And especially with some of the players that we're going to have moving forward, but obviously you're now the owner of champs boxing club in, in Danbury. So if you're in the area or traveling through, check them out online. Uh, you got at DB trashers on Instagram. Is there anything else that you want to send people towards to put on, uh, on the radar? No, follow, follow you guys, follow us. And I'm really excited for, you know, what, what we got cooking. I know, uh, I know we're chomping at the bit here, so I I can't wait. Um, I think people are going to be, I think people are going to love it. And, um, yeah, I mean, who knows the way this story goes, if who knows if there's another project down the line, I mean, it's only going to increase the, I'm guessing there might be, (laughs) there there might be, I don't know, but I, I will say that, you know, I just, I just think it's one of these stories that just seems to just somehow keep rolling. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. And, uh, you know, like me, when I was little, if there's a little kid out there that that would rather have like a Danbury Trasher memorabilia than like, you know, an an actual NHL team, that that to me is uh, that's what makes me smile and laugh. So who knows? Amazing. Well, then how about this? Uh, I think you'll agree with me on this one, AJ. Let's uh, let's then dedicate this episode to the late, great, one of my favorite human beings of all time, Scott Hall, who uh, passed away just oh, about yeah, a week or yeah. so prior to recording. I imagine based on everything you say, Razor Ramon, uh, that he would have been one of your favorites as well. So uh, we'll have that in, in his honor. And I'm sure he would have been a huge fan of the Trashers as oh, well. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. No, NW, we were the NWO of hockey. So that, that, that's uh, a great way to look at it. So a great way. I agree. Well, thank you so much for joining us, AJ, uh, for AJ Galante of the Danbury Trashers and so much more uh, for Brian Aaronworth, president of Framework Sports Marketing, myself, Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast. This is us signing off. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey. Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!